Do you invest in ETFs? Whether you're thinking, what in the world is an ETF? Or you're looking for the next opportunity to add to your portfolio. GlobalX has you covered. From big tech to bonds and bars of gold, GlobalX offers a wide range of exchange-traded funds. Go beyond ordinary with GlobalX ETFs. Visit globalxetfs.com.au. That's globalxetfs.com.au. Are you thinking about starting your wealth-creating journey but not sure where to put your hard-earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. Hey there, here's a quick note. This podcast contains general financial advice only. That means it's not specific to you, your needs, goals, or objectives. So don't act on the information until you've spoken with your financial advisor. You'll find our full disclosure, disclaimer, and link to our financial services guide in the show notes. Kate, welcome to this episode. It's the Australian Finance Podcast and Australian Investors Podcast that we're airing to today. It's been a while since we've had a crossover. Yeah, crossover episode reaching uh, tens of thousands of investors, which is fantastic. And everyone wanting to know what's going to happen in the month of August. Yes, and August is special because? It's reporting season here in Australia. So that means companies uh, that are Australian release their results, whether it's full year or half year. Uh, they release their results. There'll be typically three re- three reports with every company result. You'll get a, a media release, which is the thing that they want you to read. They'll give you an investor presentation, which is the thing that they go through with analysts on a investor call. And then you'll get the actual accounts. So um, these will typically be preliminary final results or an annual report. And they all come out at the same time when the company releases its results. Yeah. So li- reporting season might be unfamiliar for listeners of our finance podcast. Why is it important and worth keeping an eye on? Yeah, sure. So um, this is a good episode for anyone that wants to understand what reporting season is, but also we've created uh, a Google sheet, a Google document that you can download and it actually links together some of our best resources on analyzing companies. So whether you're um, a value investor and you're looking to um, you know, monitor your companies and that kind of sift through all of our best investors podcast episodes or if you're someone who's just experiencing this for the first time and want to know why my company rose or fall so dramatically um, reporting season is a really good time of the year to actually understand what companies are doing and what they're forecasting for the year ahead and this reporting season in particular is uh, one that we wanted to pay extra attention to um, because it's actually the time uh, when many companies will probably air a lot of dirty laundry because we've basically had 10 years of really strong uh, economics here in Australia. We've had falling or low interest rates, house prices going up and the wealth effect in full effect. And we've also had low inflation and these types of things. Um, this is the first period where basically all of those things have reversed. And so a lot of investors will be anxious about reporting season and what that means to their portfolios. And so this checklist that I've created and the, the documents that we've put together actually help people understand kind of how to analyze businesses, whether you're, you've never done it before or whether you're experienced. Um, and I've also included all of the investor bootcamp material to get started investing courses in there. 
uh, and also links through to the Value Investor Program. Absolutely, and that will be in the show notes. And yep. so if we might mention some terms that people aren't aware of or they haven't heard about so much before, especially for finance podcast listeners. So uh, we are opening up the podcast inbox. So if you do have any questions during reporting season, because Owen is doing a lot of podcasts on the Investors Podcast weekly mm-hmm. during reporting season, send them through to podcast at rask, rask.com.au and we'll try and include as many as we can throughout the month. Yeah, that's it. So uh, on the Investors Podcast, uh, Drew Meredith, uh, financial planner, uh, but also uh, avid stock market investor he will be joining me for an episode every week on the investors podcast uh, but then we'll have other episodes throughout the month whether they be interview episodes or um, interviews with say macroeconomic experts and so on and so forth um, everything this month will be focused around company results and we'll be doing a blitz on all the most popular companies so if there is a company result that you do want us to cover uh, or if you have a shareholding um, please let me know. Like for example, uh, I imagine many of our listeners, whether whichever channel they listen to us through, they probably want to know about companies like Zip, like Buy Now, Pay Later. Those companies have been absolutely whacked. Um, so we can take a look at all those different companies as well as companies that you know us for. So whether that's you know uh, technology companies like Altium or whatever, write into us and let us know. And if you have any questions, we can answer them you know, in a and a or something like that. Awesome. So I guess to kick it off, I've received a result for a company I'm interested in or I own and I want to know at a really high level is this a good result is this a bad result should I be worried so what should I start with so most people when they come to reporting season um, they're pretty reactive with investing so we can have um, as analysts we could have 10 or 20 companies reporting in one day and that wouldn't be you know that unfamiliar to a lot of people so the best thing you can do is actually prepare for reporting season and i know this is something that a lot of experienced investors say and a lot of newer investors like oh yeah sure you need to but this is actually super important do they tell you in advance when they're reporting many companies do so uh, we used to do a reporting season calendar we don't do it anymore but um you can head to rast media and you'll um kind of get like an overview of the results there but many different websites have reporting season calendars so comsec typically creates one with the help of Bloomberg. Bell Potter does one. I think the AFR as well. The AFR does one. And there are a few big outlets that do reporting season calendars, but those aren't perfect. So unless the company has explicitly stated either on their um, investor relations page or in a previous media release, um, they you don't know exactly. So you can, they tend to, it's interesting because companies tend to rhyme in the, the way that they report. So what I mean by that is if, if you look back over the years, say like three years, a company's if it reported on X date in August, typically it's around that time. So they typically move to the same cadence, but it's not always the case. And one thing that we've seen recently, and I mentioned this to you the other day, there's actually a period before reporting season, which is in the month of August called um, confession season. And this is when, this is like um, more of like a Twitter Illuminati thing, but um, confession season is when all the companies become aware of their poor results and they have to disclose that under continuous disclosure obligations. So we've seen a bunch of those, like Dubber was the one I'm going to call out. Dubber was a really poor result and um, that company had to issue its accounts and in that we saw that it was pretty weak. So and they do some of this in July. So some of the, some of the worst stuff comes out in July and National Tire is another one, a, a, a tire and wheel distributor. And so those companies typically air that first and then they say in that announcement we're going to do our full year results on this day and there'll be a call at this time yeah but my pet peeve with a lot of asx companies and i understand why this happens is 
they release the results at say 8.30 in the morning. That's when it hits the ASX boards. And then they say, we've got an investor call at 9 a.m. or 10 a.m. Yeah. And it really only gives you 30 to 90 minutes to read the results and be prepared for what management are going to say to ask the question. I still think some of these companies do it on purpose. <laughs> and the other thing to note is that you can have multiple companies on the same day. So you can access your transcripts via the ticker terminal if you have a subscription to tikr.com. Um, or the company will sometimes publish them on their website. Because they don't always record them, do they? No, they don't always. So some companies do Zoom uh, webinars and then they'll answer some questions and they won't um, record it. Uh, Just another thing to be mindful of is that when you sit on an investor call, and some of our experienced listeners will be fully across this, um, typically you have to register and then you go through a third-party investor relations company. A lot of the times on the call the investor relations company screens out all the hard questions. And so the, the questions that actually get put to management are like the kind of glossy ones, the right. easy, the low balls, the hang, low hanging fruit, like the soft balls. And so that's really frustrating. Because uh, they can just say, we didn't get time to that, get to that question. Yeah, that's it. And so you don't always get the whole truth or at least what you want to know. Um, but again, the best thing you can do is be prepared. So in this downloadable uh, checklist or um, workbook, if you like, I've put together about 15 different questions to prompt you. And the three that are most important for you to think about upfront when you're coming into reporting season is, what is your original thesis? So what is the reason that you own this company in your portfolio? So, you know, if it's say Zero, which is the accounting software company that I own shares in, they're not reporting right now, they're a Kiwi company, but, um, you know, I own Zero because I think it might win in the UK and Canada. It might win those markets for its business. And so that's my thesis. And then if you get results and um, you can compare post-mortem, basically, if it's stacking up to that thesis. Um, another thing is like you should identify in advance the key markers of how you're going to judge a company. So let's say you own Zip, right? The reason Zip has been sold down so heavily over the past year is that Zip's bad debts are a real issue. And so, you know, unsecured loans and whatever, um, people are... You know, the market is fearful that Zip isn't going to get its money back when you buy a piece of furniture or whatever. So that would be one thing that I would watch. And I'd set that in advance. I'd be like, this is the thing that I'm looking for. And then I'd also be looking at like new users or any type of insight and profitability. But there are some, I guess, this reporting season in particular, there are some cold, hard facts that people should be focusing on. Um, and those are in the, the document as well, which I'm happy to go into if you want to. Yeah. So having this document... Um, beside you when you're going through the report would give you some things to look out for. I know you've um, you've mentioned a couple of different sections in this checklist. So maybe some of the high level stuff with the financials, what would you be looking for there? Yeah. So um, inflation is kind of ripping through the economy and also overseas. Uh, And this has been quite sector specific as well so far. So, so far what we've seen is inflation in energy. We've seen it in some groceries and those types of things. Uh, but increasingly, we're going to see that inflation throw to flow through to higher wages, most likely, because the labor market is very tight, meaning that I think we're at a record low unemployment and the number of job vacancies in Australia has skyrocketed, at least recently. Still signs in every shop window. Yeah. So, and that what that means is supply and demand kicks in here. So, if there are more jobs and there are fewer people to take those jobs, the wages go up because people say, well, hey, I could go get this job and blah, blah, blah. And that's washing through companies right now. And so companies that have 
big um, operating expenses. So you can go to the income statement in the company's annual report. And this is one thing that I'll be looking forward uh, very closely is um, I think companies that are being proactive right now would, may actually be letting go of people and actually reducing costs. Whereas companies that are still kind of a bit un- like or unaware of what's going on, unless they have some pretty good reason for it, they would actually be incurring higher people costs. And if your business isn't profitable, uh, that's a real issue because typically when you take someone on, it's a commitment. So I see when I look at small companies, for example, and I monitor their LinkedIn page or their Seek profile or whatever, and I see companies that are hiring, that's normally the number one indicator to me that the company expects to grow. But the flip side is also true. If you're hiring and you're made a commitment to hire people, it's typically a burden that you have to bear for a considerable amount of time. So I'd be looking at on the income statement to see how those costs are shaping up. Uh, Dub is a good example. The company um, in the financial year ended June 30th lost $50 million and they only have $80 million on their uh, balance sheet. So that means they've got about a year and a bit of run, runway. So they have to either cut costs or increase their revenue substantially. And this is before inflation has probably flowed through. Yeah. So that would be an example. Um, and the, uh, maybe just I'll just do one more because I won't go over the whole yeah. um, check, checklist. But one extra thing is that um, I'd probably be looking at uh, the operating margins. So the, the margins of a business. So the profit margins basically. Woolworths is an example and a company that we're going to profile on the Australian Finance Podcast in a deep dive that we're going to do in later, later in August. And Woolworths made it an announcement that they would cap the prices of some essential goods. Now, that's great for consumers, but it's actually bad for their profit margins. So unless they're eating that, so to speak, or their suppliers are forced to take lower costs or lower prices, then their margins are going to be crimped. So the reality is that um, Woolworths will probably report lower profits this year, maybe next, as a result of that. Now, I don't have the financials in front of me, but that's what you could expect. So looking at the income statement is one great way. Uh, and I'll finally, I'll just pay what lip service to this, but it's probably the most important is the cash flow statement. Look at the cash flow statement to make sure the business is on a trajectory to be cash flow positive as soon as possible. Awesome. And if we're looking at the management and culture side of the checklist, because I know there's always a lot of presentations and as you said, glossy annual reports and mm. big letters from the chairperson, what would you be looking for there? So, um, yeah, so the I guess the central reading for most investors is the chair and CEO's letter. And in that, typically you'll have the chair maybe has like one or two pages and the CEO m- might have you know, three or four or five pages and they summarize the year. What I'm looking for in that is kind of transparency and straight talk basically. So I want to make sure what the the CEO and the chair is saying matches what we've seen in performance because a lot of them, like some of the companies um, just parade around saying everything's great. Meanwhile, they're reporting bigger losses and losses and losses. Right, with no clear sign to profitability. But at the end of the day, profits are what get you through a recession. Not that to say that we're going to have a recession in Australia. Um, that's probably somewhat unlikely, but those are the things that get you through the, the leaner periods. And for the first time in a while, we are entering a leaner period. So I'd be looking at that. Um, I'd be looking at any changes to the management team. Uh, a good example of this recently is EML Payments. Uh, trades under the ticker symbol EML. Um, lost its long-term managing director. And um, he'd been in place since 2012 and basically orchestrated all of their growth. And he left with a day's notice. So that's a red flag for most people, um, which we covered in our Red Flags episode on the Australian Finance Podcast. 
One final thing is you can use Glassdoor or even seek companies to get a quick read on the culture inside of a business. Typically when a company goes X growth, so when it's slowing down its growth, the culture dramatically changes inside a company. This is not specific to any one company, it's actually for all companies because some people have a growth mindset and some people don't. So when a company no longer achieves milestones, no longer has those lavish dinners because they all did so well, um, you can see the culture turn. And so we're going to see that not only here in Australia, but in the US where employees were rewarded for so much growth with stock-based compensation. They were given shares in the company or big cash bonuses. So what happens now? When that starts to disappear or the value of their yeah. employee shares is falling. And what, is, what does management have to do? What, what, what can they do? What can they say? Um, so you can quickly get a pulse check on what's happening inside a company for most big companies using Glassdoor. Um, so that's somewhere where I'll be fact-checking what management is saying in their culture slides uh, as a kind of a long-term, I guess, fact find or fact check if you okay like. yeah and there's a, i know there's a lot of things other factors you've put together in the checklist but i guess once i've had a look at the annual report the reason i'm reading it is either to make a decision to continue to hold my investment to sell it or maybe i want to buy in what would sort of what would you be looking at there in making that decision is there anything that would kill your thesis or be the reason that you buy yeah so at the end of the day most people know that companies are anti-fragile so at their core companies are just like tribes of people coming together to unite under one common goal that's all a company is and so most companies uh, tend to be quite flexible so what i mean by that is a company when you go into twitter or you go into reddit or you go into your favorite investing forum typically everyone's like doom and gloom everyone's like it's got yeah, this is a really bad result this has happened that's happened mm. sell 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 right yeah becomes an echo chamber as yeah, well yeah it does yeah and your circles become narrower and narrower on social media because you seek out confirmation bias um and what what most investors i think as you go on begin to realize is that the longer you invest the more you understand that companies do have dry periods they go through periods where they're not going to perform optimally and so the easiest way, I think, to know if your company has that long-term mindset, long-term potential is actually just to write down what your reason or your thesis is before the company reports, like I said, and then do the same thing afterwards and compare if the current thesis is intact. Because this is a really um, interesting thing. It's called thesis creep. And the reason that we originally invest in something changes over time. And the only way to really keep track of yourself is actually to write it down. Um, for our modeling... We have like Excel models or whatever, uh, and we'll be able to see it. We'll be able to see how we, we thought this and this happened. So we thought revenue was going up this much and only went up this much. And you can then see how that plays out in the valuation. But if you don't go that far into the weeds, it's okay. You can just write down why you own something. And, yeah. and it changed. can change over time. Like yeah. decades ago, Amazon was just selling books. You would never have imagined what they could be doing with stores and hmm. web services and things like that. Yeah, so that can happen. Um, and there are many instances of where you test that and you are questioning it. You're testing, you know, I think there's the great thing that, and I think Brian Feroldi talked about this on the podcast, is that if, if you go back to the early 2000s and you got the most optimistic forecast of any analyst, the one that was just crazy, the one that was wild, who forecast the most ludicrous growth for this company, even that analyst underestimated what Amazon achieved. So that can happen, right? But that's typically the outlier, typically the outlier. Um, I would want to be making sure that 
you know, even at the time, Amazon, you could see it working. You didn't have to be a financial analyst to know that everyone was starting to use Amazon. Everyone was ordering their books online. Everyone was migrating to the internet. But if a company comes out and they're like, yeah, we've got this technology, it's going to change the world. We've got this concept car that's just been manufactured, blah, blah, blah. No. Unless it's actually got something to show for it, whether you can actually go and see the product being used by more and more people so you can see that network effect. Or if you can see it in the financials, actual cash flow and actual revenue growth, I'd be more skeptical than not at this stage of the market cycle. Um, that's not like doom and gloom necessarily. It's just that you have to have something to measure your thesis. So for, for me, what I look at is like for zero, I'll give zero because it's a good example and I've used a lot. Zero is the cloud accounting software company. The things that I look for are the number of subscribers, the cost to acquire those subscribers and the prices that they charge. It's a very simple set of numbers. Um, and I can monitor them over time to determine, is it growing faster? Yes. Um, is the customer cost going up or down? It's going up a little bit, which is not a good thing, but that's okay. Um, and is it extracting more? Yes, it's increasing prices. And yes, it's earning more revenue from existing customers. So my thesis and um, my belief is still intact. But if those things started to reverse, then you know the, the warning lights would be on and you would know. So if you can identify something for your company, um, the way to measure what it's doing, that's important. So I'll give you another example. Uh, maybe if we go back to Woolworths. For Woolworths, we know it's by far the biggest supermarket in Australia. It's actually surprising how big it is. Um, and you would want to just look. You, you know this company's not going to shoot the lights out. It's already the biggest. But it might grow revenue, you know, 2, 3, 4, 5%. Um, and it'll pay a fully frank dividend. Now, if it stopped doing that, then that might be a killer blow to your thesis. So those are some of the ways that you can tell. And one final thing. Uh, I know I've rambled, but one final thing is on the day of the company's results is typically, in my experience, not the right day to make a decision for long-term investors. Yeah. That's going to be that's going to go against what a lot of people have said. Um, but if you are a long-term investor, typically the day the company reports, there's going to be many of them. Typically, two, two times a year at least. At the end of the day, um, if you are three to five years out focused, one result shouldn't break your thesis. It might damage the company but it shouldn't break your thesis if you've you know chosen the correct companies and you've done your research so um as easy it is as it is to impulse react to the share price rising or more likely the share price falling um you've got to ask yourself what is my thesis that's what it comes back to at the end of that that's just what it comes back to it's not so much about what the share price is doing on that day um and i mean there will be times where you're wrong and that's just investing yeah. yeah, the day of uh, the company reports can usually be very volatile yeah, for investors. Be. So so what are we doing? We're writing down before the re company reports why we own it. Yep. We're using the checklist when the company reports, maybe trying to join the investor call um, and working through, what do you got, 21 items on your checklist. Yep. Um, and of course, everyone can add more. I know some of our listeners have actually use some of your checklists in the past to customize their own, which is really cool. Yeah. And this is all free, by the way. So you can go and you can go into the show notes and use it. And then it links in with our um, Investor Bootcamp, which is that 10-part series that you would have um, listened to recently if you're an Investors Podcast listener. Uh, so you can go and you can get this. It's all free um, and you can use it. My advice is I, I, I work best in the Google sheet. Uh, you can download it. You can use it on Microsoft. You can use it in Apple, whatever you want to do. I typically like to have a checklist for every company. So I duplicate the tabs and just keep rolling through, but you can do it whatever way you want. 
Um, reporting season, I think, you know, I said to you guys this morning when we were chatting that for a lot of people, it's going to be an interesting one because it's going to be a lot of companies kind of coming out and saying, you know, our outlook isn't that strong. Um, for some companies, the really impressive companies are going to power through it. And so if you can identify those, typically what we see in an economic downturn is the best companies thrive, whereas everyone else just tries to survive. So if you can identify those companies now, um, this is a, a better time than any to do it. Yep. So, yeah. That's the reporting season checklist, Kate. There you go. There's plenty more for people to jump into in the free checklist in the show notes with all the other resources that we mentioned. So, uh, mm. yeah, and send your questions through to the podcast inbox and we'll include them throughout our reporting season coverage. Yeah, that's it. So, Drew and I will be back on the Investors Podcast to go through at least five companies every week on the show in addition to regular programming. Um, so, send us your uh, emails with companies you want us to take a look at will probably be inundated apologies if we don't get back to you we will read the emails um, but we may not always reply so just keep a keep your ears on the uh, investors podcast uh, for the finance podcast listeners we are doing that deep dive on Woolworths in uh, late August yeah I don't know if it's pre or post results I should find out yeah so we might see we might come out with the re- we might record and then two days later Woolworths results come yeah, out and it flops awkward. or something but um that's that's that, that just happens uh, so there's plenty to plenty to go on this reporting season no matter where you are no matter which channel you listen to so um it'll be a, it'll be a good month a really interesting month for investors so Kate thanks for joining me thanks for listening everyone For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest... Now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says Invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.